Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. Our sermon text is from our Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy 30, reading verses 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by holding fast to him. This is our text. Maybe you have seen the commercial for Halo's Mandarin Oranges, accompanied by an eerie soundtrack, a young girl who could be Snow White is walking warily through a dark wood, clutching a bright little orange in her two hands. Abruptly, she is confronted by a haggard woman with shriveled features and a raspy voice who offers to trade snacks with the girl. The bent and crooked woman holds out a dark, misshapen apple with a rather significant rotten spot. Young girl hesitates and asks, is that a poison apple? No, it's a wish apple. The old woman croaks. And then the rotten spot on the apple is revealed as a face that quips. Yeah, if your wish is to be full of poison, shut up, the woman hisses to the apple. And then extends the poison fruit closer to the girl. Want it? She insists. And during this exchange, a tiny script disclaimer appears at the bottom of the screen. Apples are yummy unless they've been cursed. Warning, do not eat talking food. This Snow White heeds the warning and fares better than her counterpart in the original Brothers Grimm version. In the final scene, the woman is arrested by the authorities while the girl enjoys a slice of her orange and the voiceover dispels all creepiness with the bright declaration, good choice, kid, wonderful halos, sweet, seedless, easy peel. Indeed, good choice. But of course, the whole, whole point is that it wasn't actually much of a choice at all. Wonderful halo or poison apple? The right choice is pretty obvious. Some choices in life are that way. Sometimes the right choice is so obvious that marketing and advertising seem unnecessary. Should you accept the free upgrade to first class on your flight? Would you like a complimentary dessert because the restaurant was busy and you had to wait for your food? Do you want to take the tax credit or just let the government keep the money? Sometimes we don't need any help making a choice. There's no doubt about it. The right choice speaks for itself. 
Which is why I suppose something about our text this morning seems a bit odd. Moses is laying out a choice for the people of Israel. It is a significant moment in the history of the people of Israel. After 40 long years of wandering and waiting in the wilderness, they are finally on the verge of tasting the fulfillment of God's promise and entering into the promised land. It was close. They knew it. But before they made the last push across the Jordan and into their new homeland, God directed Moses to review the covenant plan with the people of Israel one more time. It is a very thorough review. It takes almost the entire book of Deuteronomy. But now, in chapter 30, as we get the summary appeal from Moses, we also get a choice being laid out. A choice needs to be made. Will Israel hang on to the wonderful gifts that God has given them in the covenant, or will they trade their blessings for the poison of a strange people? Will they begin to worship false gods? See, I set before you today life and good and death and evil. That's the choice. On the one hand, life and blessing on the other, death and curse. Hardly seems like much of a choice. No struggle here. And yet the exhortation follows with an earnest appeal. So choose life in order that you may live. And I can't help thinking, right, choose life. It's kind of obvious. I mean, what's so difficult about this choice? Death, evil, and curse versus life, blessings, and good. Hmm, which one to pick? Wonderful halo or poison apple? Life and blessing or death and curse? This is not a hard choice, is it? It's odd, isn't it, how very much Israel does struggle with this choice. Moses seems to know that it's not exactly a slam dunk sure thing that the people are going to choose life. And his misgivings are well founded. The strange reality is that Israel had a very hard time choosing life. Somehow, they were actually able to reject God's offer of life in the covenant and with great consistency and determination choose instead to imitate their pagan neighbors by living immoral lives and worshiping false gods. They rejected life and chose death. Remarkable. Or maybe not so remarkable. In truth, maybe it's easy enough for us to understand the struggle Israel had with their choice. We also know something about how hard it can sometimes be to choose life and reject death. The problem, of course, is that so often the choice of death doesn't look like death. Death has great marketing. It looks awesome. It looks interesting, enticing, enjoyable. And the death that lurks within the choice is not immediately apparent. 
we know that the choice between life and death turns out not to be quite so obvious after all. The choice between life and death is not just a one-time event either. It's one that you face multiple times every single day. And the moment of decision rarely comes packaged with all the drama of the Halos commercial or weighted with all the significance and clarity of Israel's choice in our text. The choices you face are subtle and come in a parade of daily routine temptations. Little choices, small decisions, tiny determinations, a word, a glance, a silence, a sigh, a click, a capitulation, a choice. So easily are you distracted and attracted by the death all around you, and it is all around you. So easily you drop the blessing of God and his way of life and clutch the cursed apple. But of course it doesn't look cursed. It looks sweet and juicy and delicious. It looks wonderful. It looks like a party full of laughter and pleasure. It looks like the enhancement of your strongest desires and the fulfillment of your loftiest dreams. It looks like the realization of your fantasies, a remedy for the loneliness you hate and the future security you crave. It looks like an escape from shame and a bit more prestige. It looks like the affirmation of the real you and a chance to feel good about you being you. The apple looks delightful. And so you reject God's way and choose the world's way. You reject life and choose death. You are fooled by an apple full of poison. And it doesn't help that the choice of life is equally disguised. In his wisdom, a wisdom that is not easy for us to understand, God hides the life he gives in the shape of a cross, in the shape of terrible suffering and agonizing death. That's the point that comes through in our gospel reading for this morning. Jesus told the crowds that the only way to find life was to reject the good things in life, even family relationships, and take up the cross and follow him. That doesn't sound very appealing. The choice of life doesn't look like life. The choice of life always comes with the cross. To choose life is to choose the cross. When you think about it, it doesn't make much sense. To choose life is to choose death. It's no wonder Moses had to urge the people of Israel to choose life. The way to life that God offered was not easy. It meant living differently from everyone else. It meant saying no to so many of the things that everyone else was doing. And it's no wonder that Jesus had to urge his disciples to take up the cross. It's not a choice anyone would make naturally. It's not a choice that sells itself. There's nothing obvious about it. Quite the opposite, actually. Who would choose the cross? To choose the cross is to choose death. It is. A Roman cross was meant to kill. That's all it was for. But even 
the metaphorical cross that Jesus uses to describe the life of a disciple will accomplish the same thing. The cross of the disciple of Christ is actually not a metaphor at all because Christ's cross also kills you. It does. The cross that a disciple of Jesus must take up and carry means the death of yourself. It means that you and your desires, your priorities, and your rights, and your hopes must die. Your carefully cultivated sense of personal identity and the meticulously maintained image that you pamper and project to others Those are wiped out by the cross. When you follow Christ, those things don't matter. They die. The cross of discipleship is a ruthless attack on your very being. It is death. And yet, as strange as this may sound, the death of self is where every single disciple of Jesus must begin. The Christian life begins with the surrender of your rights, the forsaking of your ego preservation, the rejection of self-fulfillment. You die. God expects much from those who would choose his life. Jesus expects much. It is not so surprising then that we must be exhorted and reminded to choose life because it is not an easy or obvious choice. There's nothing pleasant about the cross. Given the stark reality of the cross, you begin to wonder, just who would ever choose it? Indeed, who would choose it? Well, Jesus would. Jesus did. Knowing completely all that it entailed, comprehending the full horror and the awful price to be paid, Jesus chose the cross. He chose a literal Roman cross, a gruesome path to death. He made his choice because above all else, he was determined to do his Father's will. Jesus chose the cross because the Father had already chosen to save his people. And the cross was the way that salvation would come. It was God who made the choice. He made the choice to save his people. Remember, the people of Israel had been singled out by God. They were his chosen people. He wanted them. He claimed them. And so when Moses was urging them to choose life, it was merely an appeal for the chosen people to acknowledge God's choice and take what God had already decided and given to them. Only one choice matters. Only one choice can give life. Only God's choice. The people of Israel did not need to choose God. God had already chosen them. All that remained was to see whether they would recognize God's choice and receive the benefits of his giving or foolishly and rebelliously reject God's choice and go their own way instead. Choosing life was nothing more than agreeing with the choice that God had already made. And what a strange choice it was that God made. There was nothing obvious 
about his choice of his people. Frankly, it did not look like a good choice. But whether it was a good choice or bad choice doesn't matter. God chose. He chose Israel. And now whether or not they liked his choice, and sometimes they did not seem to like it very much at all, the choice had been made. They were his people. But God was not done choosing. Hear this, people of God, and understand this. Yet again, God made his choice. And again, he made what seems to be a very odd choice. But whether good choice or bad choice, he chose. He chose you. You are his own elect child. You, sitting right where you are this morning, is you that God chose. Like it or not, it is so. He wants you. God has chosen you. The only question left is what now you will do with his choice. Will you embrace it and take up your cross and follow Jesus? Or will you spurn him and reject his choice, whether defiantly and all at once or little by little through countless daily poisoned decisions? Will you receive what God gives, or will you choose the inviting and pleasant path of serving yourself, the path that ends finally in death? What will you choose? That's the question. The only question that confronts every one of you this morning. God has made his choice. What will you choose? Don't squander the gift. Don't fight him on this. Relent. Surrender. Die to yourself. Listen to Moses. Listen to Jesus. Choose the cross. Choose life. Amen. Lord God, you chose me. Through Jesus' choice, you saved me. Give me your spirit of wisdom and humility that I may daily take up my cross and choose the life that you give. Amen.